Thank you for taking time to listen to this week's message from Horizon West Church. You can find even more content, including video archives of this and other past messages at horizonwestchurch.com. And if you're in the Horizon West area, be sure to visit us sometime soon. Now enjoy this podcast from Horizon West Church. Many of you know this, some of you do not, but the Ogden family are officially residents of Horizon West, and we're so excited for that to have happened. Um, after more than two years of praying for the opportunity, God's uh, finally located us here, and, uh, and we couldn't be more excited. I'll tell you already, um, just being able to live on mission in the community God's placed us in has been exciting. Uh, we had a couple of college-age guys or, or recent graduates, actually, that were helping us move. Um, it was like through a company and stuff, so it was kind of a random deal. But I'm getting to know them and, and come to find out one of them grew up at First Orlando but, but no longer attends church. And I was just able to encourage him. And I, I, at the end of it, I said, hey, sometimes when coincidences happen or I meet somebody and there's all these connections, you know, that's really God trying to get my attention. And I said, I'll just encourage you in the next few days, just, just watch for that. God may be trying to get your attention. And he was really responsive to that. And then a, a girl came to try to sell us something and we're like, got talking and she's like, I've actually been looking for a church. I'm like, well, there's one right up the road that, that we lead. And so it's just exciting. It is so exciting. And thanks to so many who have helped us move and, and sent things and hauled mattresses and all the things to, to help us get settled. So um, I'm just filled with gratitude uh, tonight and today. Um, I do want to tell you that our first night as a family in our new home, uh, we're, we're, you know, we're so excited. It's, you know, it's a new place and, and we're just so grateful and everything and just having this sweet moment. And then the power goes out and like, like pitch black out, nothing. And it just so happened that my phone had just died and Nikki's phone was dead. And we went from like happy homeowners to we're about to be murdered. Like this is the end. There's no, our, our stuff's in boxes. My, my steak, I can't even get my steak knife. Like I can't protect myself. And, and it was scary. It was the weirdest thing um, to be in this brand new place. We're just kind of getting familiar and it's, it's suddenly pitch black and so, you know, we're, we immediately go to where the kids' rooms are, and we're like, okay, everything's okay, cool. And Nikki turns to me, she goes, it feels like this is a horror movie. <laughs> and, uh, and, and so then I, I look out one of the windows just to make sure it's not just our house, because that's when you got to get scared, right? Everybody else is good. Somebody just shut the power off at your house. But no, everything, all, all the lights in the house were off. Is that a Garth Brooks song? Didn't plan to re- reference that, but... Um, but all the, all the lights in the whole neighborhood are off. And so I, I peek out the window. No lie. Our next door neighbors are having a lightsaber battle in the driveway. Nikki turns to me and says, does this concern you? I said, not if they're on our side, right? But it was just weird. And, and, and as I reflected on that situation, this is, and 45 minutes later, the power is on. Everything was good. And obviously we're, we're alive to tell about it. But in reflecting on the situation, here's what stood out to me. It was incredible how quickly things went from really good and fun and exciting to, to panic. Um, in fact, Nikki immediately, when the power went off, she was Chris, and she just like grabbed me, which is pretty sweet, right? <laughs> but, but, but it was just this, this fearful feeling that kind of washed over us. It, it begs the question, and I was reflecting on the question, what is it about darkness that creates such an uneasy or even terrifying feeling. Last night, in fact, so a few nights later, I woke up at 3.30 in the morning uh, fearful. Uh, not, not in the same kind of way. This was more anxiety. 
Do I have time to get done all the things that we need to get done as we move into a new place and, and pastor a church and, and finish up coursework for the semester and, and raise the kids and, and do all the, do, do, do we have enough time? And, and, and are we using our money in the best way? We have all these new things that we've got to purchase for the home and we've got to get everything taken care of and just anxiety. As I'm laying there at 3.30 in the morning with anxiety, with fear, my four-year-old walks into the room he walks right up to my bed and he goes, Daddy, you know what he's going to ask, right? Any parent who's ever lived has had this experience. Walks next to my bed, he says, Daddy, I'm scared. You know? Fear, right? And I don't think it's just my family. I think there's something about being human that we have a propensity to quickly drift in the direction of fear, darkness, fear, Here's what it is I think about darkness. One, darkness hides us from the things that are familiar, right? It's why Nikki immediately grabbed on to me because in darkness, you're, you're without the things and the people that bring you security, comfort, familiarity because they're hidden by the darkness. But darkness can also hide things that are unfamiliar, right? It's why we don't like to swim in water that we can't see beneath the surface, right? Because something could be under it that's dangerous. Something could be lurking in the darkness that causes fear. Darkness inherently creates a sense of uncertainty and a loss of control. And it's an uneasy feeling to experience. Well, it's one thing to live in 45 minutes of darkness, but it's a very different thing to live day in and day out, 24-7, 52 weeks a year in darkness. And I just want to tell you today, that that is the condition spiritually for those who do not know Jesus. Absolute and utter darkness. The ancient Jewish prophet Isaiah was looking forward to a day that was still several hundred years off. He wrote this in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelled in a land of deep darkness, on them a light has shone. That phrase captivates me, dwelling in darkness. Imagine what that would be like to never be able to see two steps in front of you, to never know what was lurking beyond you. And Isaiah says, this is the kind of world in which the Messiah is going to show up and it's going to be like light penetrating darkness. Isaiah would go on in the same passage to say this, Isaiah 9, 6 and 7, for to us a child is born and to us a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulder and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of his peace, there will be no end. And on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal, the passion of the Lord of the hosts will do this. Do you know that when Jesus showed up and began his preaching ministry at the very beginning, he actually quotes this passage from Isaiah. And he says, this is fulfilled in me. I am the light that was coming to dispel the darkness. But there's a startling fact that we realize when we look at the New Testament. That even though people were living in abject spiritual darkness, when the light showed up, most of them did not receive it. You know that feeling you have when you're afraid and maybe the power went out and all of a sudden the lights come back on and it's like this relief, like, oh man, we're good now. Scripture teaches us that most people in Jesus' day said, no, 
We reject the light. In fact, John would tell us why. John chapter 3, one of Jesus' disciples in the Gospel of John said, they rejected the light because their deeds were evil. They didn't want to be exposed. They enjoyed being hidden in darkness rather than stepping into the light. But John also said this in verses 9 through 13. The true light, Jesus, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world and the world was made through him, yet the world didn't know him or receive him. He came to his own and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but born of God. So John says, most were going to reject him, and yet some would receive him. Did you know the same is true today? Most people reject the light. They do not want the light of Christ to light their way. And yet we know as followers of Jesus that the light is what we desperately need and what we crave and desire. So here's what we're going to do today in the next 20 or 25 minutes. We're going to try to answer this question. How do we allow the light of faith to drive out the darkness of fear? How do we allow the light of faith to drive out the darkness of fear? I want to give you three quick steps. Uh, They're all with T in good preacher form. They're going to be easy to remember. Uh, Here's the first one. Steps for defeating fear. Number one, turn off. Turn off. You you might put like a blank there. Turn off. Because you probably need to fill that in. There's something that you need to turn off and turn out of your life because all it's doing is creating fear in you. See, we, we have bought into this lie in our generation, and the lie goes something like this. In fact, I grew up with, uh, let's show this graphic. I grew up with this, and as soon as you see it, some of you are going to, you remember this? Yeah. You remember it? Yeah. This came on like every 15 seconds when I was growing up as a child, right? You, know, you try to be watching a cartoon or something, and then like some celebrity come on and go, dun, 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 dun. Like the more you know, like you remember that, right? And this was the fundamental idea behind this ad campaign, this PSA uh, service. The fundamental idea was the more knowledge you have, the better off you are. Uh, Knowledge is is a fundamental good, so if you accumulate more knowledge, your life will go better. And then I grew up. I became an adult. And I realized that knowledge has a shadow side. That more accumulation of knowledge does not necessarily and automatically lead to a better life. Now, we're not to reject knowledge or bury our head in the sand, but knowledge has limitations. The truth is, there were things that we as people weren't meant to know. In fact, I can illustrate this for you in Scripture. Did you know that in Genesis chapter 3, all the way back in the first book of the Bible, that God said to the first people he created, Adam and Eve, he said, guys, I've given you this entire garden, all of these trees, they all produce fruit. It's all going to be good for you with one condition. There's one tree that if you eat of this tree, it's not going to go well for you. In fact, it will lead to death and destruction. Do you remember the name of the tree? The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And scripture says that when Adam and Eve saw the fruit on that tree and that it was good for attaining knowledge or or accumulating information is another way to think about that. They took it and they ate of it and their souls began to die. The lesson is this. 
The first sin was human beings grasping for knowledge that God never meant for them to have. God said, guys, you don't need to be aware of this. Let let, let me handle this one. You be innocent of it. You enjoy my good creation. Let me handle this. But they overstepped the boundary and they accumulated knowledge they weren't meant to have and it led to death. In fact, what the scripture says in Genesis chapter three is this, that when God came looking for them, this is what the writer says, they hid because they were afraid. Did you know that's when fear entered the world? They grasped for the fruit from the knowledge of the tree of good and evil and the immediate response was fear. They knew things about themselves and about the world that God didn't intend for them to know. This is why I love that the first sin led to immediate fear and the first announcement made by the angels when Jesus was born was to the shepherds. Do you remember what the angel said? Fear not. This was so cool, man, as I was going through this in scripture this week to recognize and to understand that the redemptive plan of God is a battle between faith and fear, right? Fear entered the world in Genesis 3. Jesus came to drive out and to demolish fear through faith. This is what we cling to. This is our hope. Let me make this really practical. If you're gonna turn off fear in your life, some of you might need to turn off Fox News or CNN, right? Because the information's good to a point, right? We, we don't need to, you know, stick our head in the sand. But you need to come to a point where you go, that's all. No more. Not going to have a TV in every room. Not going to let it run all the time. There's going to come a point where I'm going to go, I don't need to know this. I'm done for today. You, you need to start your day with faith, not with fear. You need to end your day with faith, not fear. And if you're pumping yourself with news, and and, I mean, we don't watch a lot of news, and sometimes we'll turn it on and be like, oh my goodness, everything in the world is bad. It's terrible, you know? Fear. So so turn it off. Turn it off. Or maybe it's Facebook, right? Maybe you need to shut it down, turn it off, be done with it. It's driving your fear and anxiety. You just scroll and scroll and the more you scroll, the more fear just rises and anxiety and panic and dread and you're like, ah, turn it off. Or maybe you find yourself in conversations somehow or other falling into that trap of constantly talking about these things and you just find your anxiety rising. You go, man, turn it off. Change the subject. Go a different direction. We cannot be led by fear. Friends, when I was in youth group at 15, 16 years old, our youth pastors taught us a a very basic concept. Garbage in, garbage out. And, And here's what they meant by that. If you consume music and movies and, and media that, that fills your mind with violence and, and filth and language and all of these things, guess what's going to come out of your life? The same thing. Garbage in, garbage out. Well, I find myself now having to tell my adult friends, remember, garbage in, garbage out. If you pump it into you constantly, it's going to be coming out of you constantly. You cannot win a battle against fear if you're constantly putting fearful ideas in your mind. And so we've got to turn it off. I have come to believe that the great divide in our day is not so much the divide between the right and the left. It is more so a divide between those who are driven by fear on both sides and those who choose instead to be driven by faith on both sides. That's the difference. 
Let us be a people who say, God, I'm not going to fear today. Oh, I have reason to. I, I could find a million reasons to, to be anxious, and to be pain. but today, Lord, I choose faith. I choose to trust you. I choose to step out of the boat onto choppy water and know that you're there with me, and if I fall, you'll catch me. I choose to trust in you. And it's not just about merely removing the negative. The second step, so first turn off. The second step is important. You got to tune in. You got to tune in. John 10, verses 2 through 5, this is what it says. John 10, 2 through 5. He who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. This is Jesus talking. He says, to him, the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and he leads them out. When he's brought out all of his own, he, the shepherd, goes before them and the sheep follow him. Here it is again, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him for they do not know the voice of the stranger. Jesus is saying this, my people, my followers, they're going to be able to hear my voice. They're going to be tuned into it. And when I speak, and even if it's a whisper, they're going to know, right? Because they're tuned in. They're listening. They're, they're leaning in. This is what God has called us to, to tune in. In fact, John 10 and other scripture teaches us that God is actively speaking. Sometimes we use terms like leading, prompting, directing, or nudging. But God is actively speaking to his people at all times, and we can hear and know his voice, right? This isn't a dead thing. The scripture is living and active, Hebrews 4.12. It can divide and penetrate soul and spirit, joints and marrow. God is actively speaking. The question is, are we tuned in to be able to hear his voice? And by the way, you can't be tuned in if you never turn off, right? It would be like me trying to preach a message here with the band still playing the songs. You go, what? And I would say, louder. Well, it doesn't matter how loud I get, right? You cannot tune in if you haven't yet turned off. So how do we turn in, tune in to the voice of God? First way I'm going to give you is through Scripture, through the Bible, the, the written Word of God. Paul in 2 Timothy 3 verses 16 and 17 says this, All scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man or woman of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. We got to tune into God's word. If, if you're not in a regular, and I'm not one of these people that says you got to read X amount of chapters every day to be a good Christian, right? I'm just saying that if you're not getting a steady diet of God's word, you're not tuned into the Father. You're going to be tuned into the wrong things. And I'm trying to apply this in a practical way this month. And so this month I'm reading five Psalms um, each day because there's 150 Psalms. There's about 30 days in a month. There's 31 this month. So I read Psalm 1, 31, 61, 91, 121. You know who created that? That was a Billy Graham thing. Billy Graham said, you know, there, there's 150 Psalms. Most months have 30 days. You can read five a day. And he would make a regular habit of that. So I'm doing that this month. And it's incredible as I'm reading the Psalms how much David dealt with the things we're dealing with. Man, God, there's enemies everywhere and I'm not sure I'm going to survive, but you, oh God, are my help. I, I look to you, I trust in you, God. And man, I'm being fed by God's word as I read through the Psalms. That's just one way that you might choose faith over fear and tune in to the voice of God in Scripture. 
You can maybe read one of the Gospels, Mark or Luke, as it leads up to Christmas. You get to the Christmas day and you've been reading the story of Jesus and it, and it all hits home in a new way. But we got to find ways to consistently be consuming the Word of God, reading it or listening to it, being ministered to by it. Here's a second way to tune into the voice of God, through prayer. Through prayer. And, and by this, I don't just mean getting out the list and just telling God all the things. You know, that's okay too and there's a place for that. But you know, prayer is much as, as much about listening as it is speaking, right? And in prayer, we can tune in to the voice of God. I've begun to make a habit in the morning of saying this. Talk about a short prayer. This is what I say. Good morning, Jesus. Let's spend the day together today. Done, right? I just have made a habit of that. Good morning, Lord. Let's spend this day together. You know, because I want to be tuned in. I want to hear his voice. And sometimes it's going to be just getting still in the morning and getting quiet and saying, Lord, speak to my heart. And I'm watching the sunrise. I'm hearing the birds, whatever it is. But I'm in prayer, tuning in to the voice of God. I've, I've brought this up before, but the Pause app is a, is a prayer and a meditation app that I have encouraged. If you haven't downloaded that yet, I would encourage you to do that. It's just a way when you only have a, a brief gap of time to just pull that up and to just let somebody kind of walk you through prayer and meditation and scripture and tuning in to the voice of God. Here's another way to tune into God's voice, and this is an important one. We tune into the voice of God through other believers. I can't tell you how many times God has spoken to me through another Christian in a way that I wouldn't have heard any other way. Has that happened to you? Pastor David, our senior pastor, often says, I believe I've got more to hear from the Lord than I can hear by myself. And that's a guy who's been at it a very long time and has way more degrees than I will ever have. But he says, I need other Christians. And he models this. David models leadership together. In fact, from 29 years old, I was sitting around a table with David and other pastors helping to craft the sermon content that would be delivered on the weekend. Why? Because David understood that sometimes God is going to speak to me through other people. Other people who may not have the same education, the same experience. In fact, guess what? It's better that they don't. We need different voices. We need the input of God's people around us. One of the most important lessons I've learned, to hear the voice of God through other believers. Here's the third step, and it's tied into this idea. Third step to overcoming fear or defeating fear is this, team up. Team up. I believe all sins grow best in isolation, but none grows faster in isolation than fear. If you're trying to overcome fear in your life, trying to defeat fear, you have to step out of isolation. You cannot beat it on your own. You've got to team up with others. You know this in nature that predators look for the animal that has left the pack, right? Same thing is how that works with fear. Scripture says that our enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. And guess what? A lot of the people he's devouring in our generation, he's devouring them through fear, anxiety, panic, dread. And because they're isolated, because they're not in regular community with other believers, they're prey for him. By the way, this is why I always let somebody else swim further in the ocean than I am. I understand this principle. So if you ever go to the beach with me, I don't want you to die, but I want to live, okay? So it's your fault if you swam further than I did. You're, you're the prey. Here's what Hebrews 10, 24, 25, this will be familiar to many of you, but it says this, 
Let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. The writer of Hebrews says, look, as we get toward the end, don't meet together less. Don't, don't get more withdrawn, more isolated. If anything, meet together more. We need the body of Christ. We need to gather and to be assembled. This is not merely talking about Sunday morning or Saturday night church as the case were, but I believe it is referring to the gathered church. And it says that what we need from the other believers as we gather is encouragement. Literally, the word encouragement literally means to give courage to each other. Do you feel that when you show up at Horizon West Church? I hope you do. That you walk in and you feel encouraged You feel your faith strengthened, your backbone stiffened, like you can walk into the next week with your head held a little higher because you've been encouraged by other believers. But here's what else teaming up means. Teaming up means that we share about uh, our our stuff, our fears with another person. Here's, Here's how I think about accountability. Everybody needs to know something about my junk and somebody needs to know everything about my junk, right? Like not everybody needs to know everything going on in my life. That, that's, that's TMI, right? Nobody needs that, but somebody does. There's somebody in my life, one, two, or three people, my wife is one of them, that can pretty much tell you everything that is going on in my life. And if I'm gonna fall into a pit, they're gonna help me see it before it comes. You need to have people in your life like that. What I worry about with fear is that we don't think of it like sin, and yet it is, right? I've been pretty transparent with you guys about sexual sin struggles in my life that started years and years ago in my adolescence. The only way that I began to walk out of that gripping sin was through confession, through saying to somebody, this is what's going on, and I can't get out of it on my own. You may need to do that in the area of fear, You go, man, it's paralyzing. I'm so anxious. I'm so stressed. I'm so afraid. I'm so worried about the future. I can't even think straight. Confess it. Bring somebody else along and be consistent with that. When I was first in this recovery process of of gaining purity in my life and tasting what it was like to live a pure life, I would tell people as we met for accountability, look, there's a lot of things you need to ask me, but never fail to ask me the purity question. Like, don't let one week go by. I'll probably try to get out of here without speaking to that. Like, let's just, you know, kick it around. And then, but every week, you got to ask me, Chris, how's your mind doing? How are your thoughts? Are you being faithful? What, what's going on here? And you may need to do that with somebody when it comes to fear. Hey, every week, let's meet. And, and when we meet, we need to talk about a lot of things, but never fail to ask me, are you walking in faith? Is fear overcoming you? Or are, are you dealing with fear in the way that you need to, accountability. Here's the other thing teaming up does, and this is such a huge benefit. By teaming up, other people can help us to celebrate our wins. Uh, Early on in this process for me, and and I remember um, having a a, a temptation that came and, and I just like demolished it. It was like, boom, like something came on the internet. I was like, I'm shutting this down, don't need it. And I called Nikki and I was like, hey babe, guess what I just did? I just like kicked it in the teeth. You know, I was like so proud of myself and she was proud of me. And so I started using this expression, confess your wins, confess your wins. We always, you know, it's like, you gotta confess all your failures, but 
That's not all. Confess your wins. When you team up with people, they can walk that journey with you. They can go, hey man, I'm so proud of you. Look at the progress that you've made. Look at, remember in 2020, you were just paralyzed with fear. You could barely get out of bed. And now here it is weeks or months or years later and look how far you've come. And through teaming up, we can enjoy victory in those kind of ways. Let me throw one last T as we kind of land the plane. And this is going to be the catch-all for all of them, right? So we've got turn off, tune in, team up, and it all kind of falls under this category. Trust God. It's pretty simple, right? Trust God. Trust God. Here's the reality. Fear has to find a million different ways to come at you, right? Because every fear comes and goes. The things you were worried about three weeks ago, you're not as worried about anymore. The things you were worried about coming into 2020, man, that's not the stuff you feared now, right? But God is constant. If you're looking to God in faith, it stays the same. He's with you. He's for you. You don't need to be rocked by the waves of fear. You can learn to walk in trust with God. It's why the Apostle Paul said in Philippians 4 and verses 12 and 13, he said this, I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Paul's saying, look, I've known hunger, but I wasn't afraid. I've known need, but I didn't get anxious. Why? Because I can do anything with Christ. This isn't about scoring touchdowns and hitting home runs, right? Like, this is about living a life that chooses faith over fear. And if you think Paul didn't have things to fear, you're wrong. He had plenty to fear. Shipwrecks, imprisonments, stonings, eventual beheading. Paul wasn't saying, hey, life is pretty good, just trust God. Paul was saying, life is horrific and dangerous and scary, but I'm not afraid. I can do all things. I can endure all things. I can overcome all things through Christ who gives me strength. We do not reject fear because danger doesn't exist. We reject fear because God does. And that's not changing. 2020 can't change it. A pandemic can't change it. An election can't change it. God is sovereign. He is in control. When you fall and sink in the water, he's going to grab you by the hand. God is for you. He is with you and you can trust him. I want to close with some really, really practical things. And we're going to sing a song of, of faith. And, and it, uh, it's going to be exciting in just a second. But I, I want to give you these real quick. Practical applications in, in overcoming fear. Number one, take a social Sabbath for the coming week. I've already talked to you about that. Some of you have already gotten off social media. But even if it's just a one-week break, just see if that doesn't cause you to be a little less stressed, a little less anxious. Okay? Now, this isn't legalistic. You don't all go, man, i got to get up. No. But if you're feeling overcome by fear, this would be a good place to start. Here's another one. Replace talk radio with worship music or Christian podcasts. A lot of us commute, right? I mean, that's just like Central Florida. Some of you are working at home now, but a lot of us are still driving to work, driving here and there. And man, we dial into that talk radio show and man, they just pump it, pump it, pump it. I'm just going to tell you, maybe for a week or so, just, just tune out, turn it off, replace it with something different, better. Here's another one. Choose a book of the Bible and read one chapter a day. We, we talked about that earlier. Let, let me give you another one. Uh, memorize a Bible verse on overcoming fear and meditate on it daily. This would be a great one. Great one. Just, just pick a verse, and if you need one, I can, I can give you some, but verses that talk about faith over fear, just commit it to memory. 
doesn't have to be a long one, just something that centers you on faith over fear. Last one, invite a trusted friend to coffee. Invite them to team up with you against fear. This is the step that some of you really need to take this week. To get over the hump, say, you know what, I'm going to do this. I don't want to keep living in fear. I don't want to keep living in anxiety. I don't want to keep waiting for my circumstances to change. I'm going to choose faith over fear, and I'm going to team up with somebody who can help me to do just that. Thanks again for listening to the Horizon West Church Podcast. If you were inspired or encouraged by something you heard today, share it with a friend. For more information like our service time, location, and other info, be sure to visit us online at horizonwestchurch.com. Have a great week.